1: Welcome to another episode of Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain on Revolution Radio, making smarter financial decisions with your host, Rob Delson, former Fox News host and anchor at Roundtable Media with his team of market masters, Mark Lepresti, managing director of Moneta Advisory Partners, co-founder of Battlefin, leading data platform, and a former institutional equities trader at Lehman Brothers. Alex Mascioli, founder of Trade the Chain, former head of Institutional Prime Brokerage at Bquant. John Nigerian, co-founder of Market Rebellion, former co-host of Halftime Report on CNBC, and co-founder of Option Monster and Trade Monster. Daily data insights and ticker updates direct from three of the world's top TradFi legal and crypto experts on Bulls, Bears and Blockchain every Monday and Friday on all your favorite platforms. Let's get started.
2: Hey, welcome B3 Nation. This is the Bulls Bears and Blockchain Twitter Spaces. Our Sunday our weekend edition. We do this every Tuesday, Thursday at 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time and a weekend edition at 5:30 Eastern Time as well. Good to have you all listening. Please follow Get Rev Radio, tweet out the space. Happy to have Alex and Mark, and in place of John, it, it's an awesome replacement. Pete Nigerian is back with us. Pete, welcome back. Your second Twitter Spaces, you you officially made it through the the Virgin one last time. You were awesome, and it's good to have you.
3: <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'm sure, you know, you and John, for those of you who don't know, Pete and John are, are a dynamic duo out there. Um, but they have different viewpoints, but they they both understand the investment, marketing, futures space like nobody else. So really good to have you, Pete. Marco Presti um, is, I believe, Market Rebellion. So so is 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 uh, supporting this show today. They're our sponsor.
4: That, that's right. And I do want to dispel a very common rumor before we take a step further with today's show. Rob, Pete, and John are not twins. Pete. Pete is the younger. I've had this scientifically evaluated. Uh, we do we do have proof. You'd have to sign an NDA, uh, but but uh, Pete and John are not twins. Pete is the younger, better looking of the two, and we say that because we know that John's on an airplane right now and not listening and probably can't listen unless he's hacked the code. <laughs> but uh, Pete, wonderful to have you on the show. You know, uh, Pete and John and I fill in for each other on a variety of different shows you can see pete and john and occasionally me and pete or uh, me and john on the rebel's edge you can find that on youtube we do that show mondays through thursdays 1 p.m eastern time hard hitting uh sort of um what's the what what, does it part in the interaction that that, it's modeled after yeah um Three or four stocks, three or four options, a minute of macro, not a second more, a little bit of fantastic futures. We often do a venture minute segment where we feature a company that John and I are are working with or have invested in, uh, in the uh, early stage growth uh, company, both public and private. So that's an incredible show. And yes, Rob, today's sponsor (laughs) is, of course, Market Rebellion. That is the trader training and education platform founded. By Pete and John, where folks can become better, stronger, faster, like the $6 million man, but it won't cost you $6 million to join Market Rebellion. There's actually a BOGO, a buy one, get one free going on. You can learn more at www.marketrebellion.com. And if you scroll a little bit down halfway through the page, you'll see the big bang in the center with the BOGO offer. Go and check that out. We actually are just off of three days in beautiful napa valley california wine country of course where we did our best recreation of the sidekick movie um eating in and out burgers and drinking cake bread in the the vineyard that was absolutely classic but i'll tell you uh you know the traders that were there uh some of the best in the market rebellion family these people and their stories of how well they have done how that's changed their lives with their trading making real meaningful money Really gratifying. um I'm proud to be part of it, and you all, B3 Nation, should learn more by going
2: to MarkRebellion.com. Awesome. And by the way, Pete, I just want you to know when you're not on. He says to Mark, he's like, Mark is the older and better-looking brother. <laughs> we may have to have a better-looking competition, you know, between between those two of you. <laughs> but uh, we got a big show, B3 Nation. Um, we're we're going to do a, our week Our week looking back, a week looking forward. We're going to catch up on the, the state of crypto affairs after a, a pretty hard hit from what happened with Gary Gensler. We'll also dive in in our crypto block into more details on what's going on with Gary Gensler. We're going to talk about the Fed, the perpetual Fed interest hike, hold, or, or cut, which is coming up this Wednesday. And we're going to talk about consumer confidence, whether retail investors are are feeling bullish, and what's going on with consumers' credit card debt, and and yet consumers seem to be doing really well. Mark's got a whole take on that. Mark, let's start it out. And, Pete, we're going to have you do the week sure. ahead. Mark, if you'll do the week we just saw. You know, the U.S. stocks were up on Friday, so that's a positive thing. Take it from there.
4: Thank you very much, Rob. I also just want to remind listeners that we have a second hour to our Beyond B3 That's going to start promptly at 6.30 Eastern time. That's hosted by the talented Julie Lamb. We've got lots of great topics, lots of guests that are going to be joining us. So please stay tuned as you make the most of your Sunday evening after the B3 is over with Beyond B3 starting 6.30 Eastern time. So yeah, Rob, you're right. Stocks finished Friday in the green. Investors looking ahead to this week's CPI and Fed interest rate decision in that critical FOMC meeting 13th and 14th. Markets right now pricing in about a 70% chance that the Fed will hold or pause, as we've called it. That's going to be the first time since March of 2022 that the Fed met without hiking. Uh, Last week, we had uh, some some really interesting earnings that came out. Um, DocuSign, in particular, beating top and bottom line expectations, showing a 12% year-over-year increase in revenue and announcing some new products. So that company coming... Off of sort of the post-COVID malaise and whether or not we would still be needing to sign things electronically. Well, guess what, folks? We are. And that, of course, also being a day to play. Another big piece of news last week that had us and other investors on our tippy toes because we're Tesla bulls and we are Elon fans was the word from Ford. It was actually, excuse me, uh, General Motors. It was their announcement, not Tesla's, that GM would follow in Ford's footsteps by partnering with tesla to use its north american electric vehicle charging network that very exciting news for tesla tesla up that news coming out just after the close i believe it was on thursday uh and we were watching and really enjoyed how tesla stock performed um after the close on thursday on that news not such great news for the american consumer yet another unfortunately we hate reporting on this but it's super important yet another record-breaking credit card debt post uh around 988 billion uh just shy of a trillion we actually look at another metric that we have to battlefin that shows it firmly over a trillion but who's counting with the average american carrying almost six thousand dollars in credit card debt americans from that 40 to 50 range carrying almost eight thousand in credit card debt and with current interest rates the cost of carrying that kind of debt has increased 20%. That's that's a big problem, because it's one thing to have all that debt, another thing to actually ever be able to pay it off or just carry the interest. Nonetheless, the Dow Jones closed the week up modestly, 34 basis points higher. The S&P uh, clo- just shy ahead of that, 39 basis points. The NASDAQ closing the week up, almost flat up 14 basis points. Pete Najarian, what are you watching
3: for the week ahead? Yeah, we got a lot coming at us, Mark. I mean, you know, you you touched on a couple of things, and it it is a, a big week. It's a monstrous week when you a week when you start looking at what's going on in the in the broad big scheme of things. I mean, the monthly budget reports uh, that's going to be something that people will definitely be paying attention to. Uh, you know, operating supply surplus and all the the things that go along with that. You've got inflation reports, May versus what we were seeing in in April, which is about five and a half percent. And then as you push forward a little bit more, well, then you're going to the one that we're all staring at. I mean, <laughs> all these others are interesting, but the fact. And and to your point, you said it's about a 70% chance that they would pause. I would say that it's even higher than that. Uh, but that is the, the numbers that we are seeing. But it just seems like that is the direction that people are looking at, Mark, right now. Uh, you know, Thursday, you get a whole bunch, I mean, just a smattering of everything that you could possibly imagine, from retail sales to the imports to the exports to the industrials, business inventories, all of that. And within all of those things, and we got Fed speakers on Friday, by the way, but in between all of that, it's always earnings season. You know, it's funny, we always say, well, we're in earnings season because it's here. here." Um, And then you forget about it after you get to the financials, a couple of tech names, and everybody just kind of pushes it aside. But we've still got Oracle, which is a stock that, just went up from 84 bucks to 110 bucks in a very short period of time. Trading near its 52-week highs. You've got Adobe as well. It's up 130 points just since May 12th. So that's one that I think people will watch. Everybody knows what's going on with Adobe because, and if you don't, it's AI. They use the word AI, and suddenly Adobe turned into one of those meme stocks. It absolutely ripped to the upside, hit a monstrous uh, new high. It's absolutely incredible. So we've got those, and we've been talking about some of the housing, some of the numbers. We talk about you know rates and everything else. Well, nothing else uh, is affected quite as much as as home builders, and you've got Lennar as well. So there's a lot going on. It's going to be a monstrous week. I can't wait. We had a great week last week. I'm excited for this week. I think there's a lot of different reasons that we should be excited. And I'm an option trader. And because of that, when I see the VIX under 14, it makes me get a lot more interested in what I want to do because things have gotten cheaper. So it's just like anything. When it's a bargain, you want to be a part of it. And right now, the bargain within the options world, being at a 13 VIX, is telling me a whole lot about how I want to react and and move into this next week.
2: Hey Pete, quickly. I'm um, on the on the options, and you know, with John, we call it the fantastic futures. Are there a couple things sticking out to you that you know when you say you're excited about it? Are there are a few, a few specific ones you're looking at. Going, I'm I'm thinking about this one.
3: Well, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we all are attracted to, and Mark brought up Tesla, that's that's one, because you know, for so long, you, you'd get so much pushback if you were anybody who called Tesla something other than an auto uh, manufacturer. I was that guy. I called him a tech company. I continue to call him a tech company. And now all of a sudden, you see these legacies going into there. And it, with the volatilities getting a little bit lower, gives you a, a better opportunity to at least maybe get, be engaged in something like a Tesla, like Apple. Apple, after you know all the news and everything else that we've gotten, it's gotten a lot cheaper from a volatility perspective. So in other words, you know it's not as good for those of us that are buy riders if you're buying stocks, in other words, and selling calls against it, trying to create a little bit of money. But it does open up a lot more for the opportunities when those options that might have been $3 are now trading at, Two dollars and twenty-five cents. That gives you the a better opportunity as you look forward. I don't think this AI uh, run is over, and I also specifically really don't think we have have got even scratched the surface surface so far of AI.
2: Yeah, yeah. We and you know we talk a lot about that, and and I think we're, we're really everybody kind of agrees. We're at the beginning, and where that even goes. Let me before we move on to our crypto with Alex Pete. Uh, Pete one more question for you. You mentioned Oracle. Oracle mm-hmm. is one of those stocks that's always fascinated me. I was in, I was in Stanford in the, in the mid to late 90s, you know, when they were just bursting out and, and I was watching all these tech companies. Oracle has lasted and continued. I was interested to hear you say it's had such a boost. Like, is there something Oracle is doing now? I mean, they've been a really long-term successful tech company that's not a company the average American knows of like they would a Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. So what's your take on that and why are they doing so well right now?
3: Well, I, I just think the environment is great, and also when you look, why is tech suddenly um, everybody's go-to, right? And I I can it's an easy answer. the re- The reason is you look at balance sheets, you look at the price to earnings where they're where they're trading, and the majority of them now actually pay some sort of a dividend. In the case of Oracle, it's not a huge dividend, but when you look at the forward PE of something like an Oracle right now, and you can see that it's trading under twenty. These are companies, and you look at Apple, and you look at a lot of these various names. These are companies that used to be considered, well, you know, you get to big cap tech, it's a little bit risky. Um, Not when you look at a lot of these balance sheets, not when you look at the growth that they've got and where they trade from a PE perspective. There's a really good reason why the big boys, the the, the the names that we oftentimes talk about, but there's many other names other than the big eight. There's another 25 or 30 names probably, but there's a reason why they have very little, if not, and maybe even close to nothing as far as short interest, because these aren't the companies to be short. The companies you want to short most likely are companies that have terrible balance sheets. It's only getting worse and, and people are starting to bet against them. In this case, you are not seeing that at all in an Oracle, in an Apple, a Microsoft, I mean, you could go through that long list. They have great balance sheets now. So those are the the more reliable type names, I think, in an environment like this.
2: Great insight, and, and you get this insight every, every three times a week, B3 Nation, on bulls, bears, and blockchain Twitter spaces. We do this Tuesday, Thursday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, and our weekend edition on Sunday, which is now 5.30 Eastern time. Follow us at get Rev Radio. Follow all of our speakers and please tweet out the space and, and stick around when we're done for the B3 After Show um, with Julie Lamb. It's a lot of fun and you guys get to all be part of the conversation. They pick up where we left off. Alex Masioli, crypto took a hit in terms of its market cap, but Bitcoin's still hanging in there around 26. What's the crypto overview? All right, all right. Well, I'm going to push this aside
5: for about 60 seconds real quick. Uh, one, I just want to say hi to the B3 Nation. And two, thank you, Pete, for joining in. Always great to have a Nigerian on the panel, uh, up here. I, um, you know, one of the interesting things that Mark brought up uh, as I backtracked a little here was stoppage earnings. And you know, DocuSign has always been a really great and innovative and easy to use product. And you know, Pete mentioned AI and Adobe. And both those companies have, you know, you, you could sign stuff with Adobe, but Adobe is very has a lot more diversity to its product line, where DocuSign is still very much into the document signing uh, regime. I will say I'm going to be paying attention to DocuSign uh, closely as we go through the next couple of quarters, because Apple, as uh, they had their developers uh, uh, conference um, the other week, is bringing out a product for you to formally sign dots on your phone. And if you are a document signer, I will tell you, there is nothing worse than traveling and not being readily available by your laptop to sign something except for DocuSign, but now Apple is going to have this within the phone. So, I'm looking out and I want to see how this DocuSign's earnings uh come let's call it two quarters from now. So, just uh paying attention to that side note. Apple obviously very hot on AI. Um, moving to crypto. Uh before we get into the carnage with that, by the news, you know, Mark also alluded, we have a very busy week. Uh, you know, probably gonna expect some volatility. Uh, the calendar, we have CPI inflation data Tuesday, PPI inflation data Wednesday, which is also along with the Fed meeting Wednesday, and I'm still, still. 25 basis point hike I know it's the unpopular opinion but we'll see what happens retail sales date on Thursday initial job claims on Thursday as well so going into crypto cryptocurrency market took a big hit across the board Friday night losing over 100 billion in total market cap in just a few hours we've now stabilized to just over a trillion dollars which is a very uh upset type of number. Nobody who likes to be in the 900 billion market cap range when it comes to crypto, especially one with three and four billion or three trillion uh, uh, just a year and a half ago. Um, but we are, the market cap is up one 1.3% in the last 24 hours. Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride of a weekend for traders, but that's okay because to, uh, you know, Rob's, we're stabilizing around that uh, 6,000. And really, crypto can take a lot of punches. Um, put this all in perspective, the bloodshed hit some of the top 20 coins particularly hard with their seven-day losses. Right now, we have Avalanche, Ticker, AVAX, down 21%. Cardano, TDA, MANA so well 27%. Polygon, Matic, nearly a third of its value wiped out uh, just over 28%. So really hard hits on uh, some of those top 20 coins. And in keeping with the across-the-board uh, theme, super mm-hmm. meme coins were not spared. Dogecoin shedding 14% of its value on the 7th day and Shiba Inu lo- uh, cutting loose 21%. Bitcoin, which lost over $700 during the short collapse, uh, 255 of, uh, again 26,000 right now gained 1% for the day on the usual Sunday trading volume of about $10.5 billion, with relative trading volume falling negative 22% for this average. Ethereum for a hundred dollars in price during the sell-off period. By the way, the sell-off period, folks, was Friday midnight, and it took only four hours for twenty-plus percent in a lot of these big coins. You'd be lost, but Ethereum clawed its way back up to one point two percent to seventeen sixty on a mere four point four billion trading hands over twenty-four hours, relative to volume twenty-three percent. One thing would be different with ETH. Versus BTC, is the tweet buy was positive for Ethereum, up 46 versus average, while Bitcoin tweet buys off by 15%. Also, standing out was the bullish ETH sentiment score in the trade the chain dashboards, which is currently 65 out of 100, versus BTC, which is at a neutral 45 out of a. And Rob, one last thing before I hand over the mic, I want to also notice uh, because we do that, we monitor uh, netted flows and outflows stable coins to trade the chain. Early Sunday morning around the four AM Eastern time uh, hour, there's a large stablecoin exchange net outflow of about hundred and twenty one million within that hour, which outsized both the inflows and outflows of the last twenty four hours by a long shot. We don't know what the major move was about, uh, but we're taking a look at it.
2: Well, um, so and what do you think, Alex? I mean, when you say you don't know what it's about, do you have a hunch? I mean, do you have a that's a huge outflow, right? And that's that's not typical. It's a huge
5: outflow. Uh, to put it in perspective, the 24-hour period snapshot that 121 million uh, in outflows happened in the 4 a.m. hour. Uh, all the others uh, were inflows, and they were very nominal, low single digits. We don't know what out. out. We're going to check out some uh, on-chain analysis and-, and see if there's any anomalies.
2: Let me quick bring uh, Nick Mancini, uh, trade the trade the chains director of research, and Nick. You talk, you know, to our B3 nation, all you know, Nick follows the Bitcoin numbers with his own special chest like strategy. Nick, you said if it hits 25, boom, but it hit 25 and it bounced back to 26. So what's your analysis on what's going on here? And for people who follow your tracking of, of sort of the, the guardrails here, fill us in on where we're at with that.
0: Yeah, so the way that I'm looking at things right now is uh, still focusing on that uh, kind of 26.5K pivot point. Uh, I think that that is kind of the, you know, as I've been saying, the line in the sand for bullish or bearish bias. So the fact that we are under it definitely means that we are leaning bearish in terms of the trend. But you you are 100% correct. The 25K level, which also coincides with the 200-day uh, estimated moving average, which has been, uh, you know, many times throughout Bitcoin, Bitcoin's history, key supports and resistance. We are bouncing off of that 25k level with some interest, but uh, we are heading into this coming week with, of course, CPI, PPI, FOMC. So there are likely to be more fireworks, and of course, equities are at uh, their their highs. Uh, from uh, you know, I think back in last fall. So um, you know, there is no direct indication of I think where we are going to head. Like Alex said, you know, it was a weekend sell-off, uh, very low volume. Uh, you know, in terms of weekends, typically. So we'll have to see how uh, the the institutional crowd and the retail market picks up the dominoes on Monday. But uh, right now, I have to say if we are under 26.5k i'm looking for shorts uh particularly a bounce off of that 26.5k level but if we do accept above 26.5k into uh you know monday tuesday wednesday then we would likely look for longs into 27 or possibly 28k
2: thanks for the take on that all right guys b3 nation you know we can't do a show without talking about the fed it's time for our our j pao uh, take um pete we talk about this every week you get to go first as the new as the as as the guest on the show um your brother has has held firmly that they're going to hold and then start lowering rates by the end of the year alex Massioli is is in the lone camp of we are going to see actual 25 point basis point hike this this wednesday and now we're seeing treasury futures are actually seeing the possibility of a pause but instead of then a, a cut at actual rate hike in the next round so what's your take what's your bet what do you see happening
4: rob i think i think pete had to drop uh okay then mark actually has a he actually has a radio show um that he does in in minnesota uh that is uh focused on sports so those of you in that part of the world you're probably very familiar with it but i think you had to duck for that and and rob i'm a little disappointed with you because I, I gave you one of my famous new york post style
2: titles i for can't this conversation. June, Jay, pow, pow wow wow. it's too many words for go. my let's see June, Jay, yeah. pow, pow, so pow, worries traders so they b3 mark <laughs> comes up with these headlines And sometimes they're like out of the 80s and sometimes they're great (laughs) tongue twisters and like, you know, what, whatever, Mark, let me ask you to say, you know, so now it's just the two of you and and beyond the third. I'm like the sidebar, the guy Alex is on. I I like Alex's aggressive stance. He's going against the grain. He's like, they're raising. Now, everybody else thinks they're pausing, but the new development is they might pause and then rage.
4: Well, that's right. And listen, you know, it's good to have differing opinions. If we're all agreeing and breaking each other's arms, patting each other on the back, then that doesn't really make for a good show. Um, And look, the reality of it is, I've said for a while now, um, this is a pause. This is the adoption of the pause versus the disavowment of the pause that we had at the last meeting. And the street obviously agrees by and large with that, notwithstanding... It's in disagreement with my dear friend, the brilliant Alex Masioli. But, and as Pete said when he was on, he thinks the odds are probably well above 70% with the data that he looks at and, and, and John and I look at as well, which includes things like the CDS credit default swap market and other data points that are not necessarily as evident as things like the bond market signals and, and, and the sentiment, which is what they base a lot of those percentages on. But look, um, you know, we, it appears, that, that the pause is in that the pause will be a hawkish one as we've talked about before right what does the fed say does the fed say we're going to pause and chill does the fed say we're going to pause and leave the door open explicitly for further hikes well if you look at what some of the big money traders and how they are betting directionally it appears that not only will we get a hawkish pause next week from the fed but the markets are actually betting based on the labor numbers based on the inflation numbers based on what's happened in other parts of the world like australia and canada which i personally put less faith in than other data that we're actually after maybe a well-deserved break for traders and investors coming up next week with the adoption of the pause that the pause may be so hawkish as to expect another rate hike in july which I am very concerned about. I think it would be disastrous. I think it would be exactly what this economy does not need. Inflation is still red hot. People are suffering. It would be the wrong move. But because the labor market remains the way that it is, we haven't destroyed enough jobs to make j happy, this is what traders are betting on, a hike in July. And I I tend to believe
2: the data. You know, we look— more data than opinion, Robin, and, and, and that's raw data. It's Alice in Wonderland. And speaking of opinion, Christopher Wava, who is a voting member of the committee, said he, he, he even if we have prudent risk management and pause, we should raise again. So you've got yeah. voting members already saying that, Alex. Let's bring you into this because you are the you are the they're going to actually raise sooner. But regardless of if you're right or wrong, the, the crypto markets, particularly Bitcoin, responds pretty. Actively to Fed interest rate moves. What do you see happening? Do you see this? I mean, do you see this uncertainty kind of playing into Bitcoin's favor? Well, I mean, uh,
5: uncertainty never plays into Bitcoin's favor. Um, but you're right, and and I do have many opinions uh, on the rate hike. I'm glad to see Mark. I, I feel like it's a a perma bear versus a bull. I'm glad to see Mark going with the July raise now. I think. He, he may have been at a july you know uh down 25 basis points prior but um you know it, i'm gonna hand this off to Nick he he does all our trading strategy and I'm I, I listen this is what we pay him the big bucks for so um Nick tell us are we going to make money with the with the
0: uh fed hike that I'm forecasting or what <laughs> I appreciate uh, you teeing me up there. Um, I-, I will say, uh, you know, there's been very few times where I am truly stumped, and I think this is one of them. Um, this this recent kind of shock wave across the crypto market, coupled with. Um, you know, more rumors around potential, um, you know, civil and criminal lawsuits in the crypto sector definitely makes me worried. Uh, We, of course, uh, allegedly have the Hinman documents being released uh, you know, at at the same day as the FOMC, which could act as some sort of counterbalance to any negative price action from FOMC. Um, So, you know, I think it is really going to be one of those days where I would suggest, you know, being reactive rather than proactive on the crypto side of things. I I think uh, Mark and Alex have very salient points as to what may happen uh depending on you know a hike or a lack thereof And I think, because of the general indecision of, in the markets, because of what has taken place recently with equities, um, you know, launching higher and crypto lurching lower, um, I think now is the time to you know make your scalp trades if you have them pre-FOMC because we've obviously got some good volatility and a nice range for a lot of alts and of course majors. Uh, and I think your your best bet is being reactive uh, after FOMC meeting and Jerome Powell's speech, to be exact, because he's going to tell you um and not so certain or direct words but he will give an indication of of what is likely to come next so um you're you're better off playing it safe than uh getting risky i think this week
2: yeah I, not, I
4: love sorry rob i love that advice from you nick always prudent always careful this and i know this drives everybody bananas but this is not investment advice consult your investment advisor before taking viagra wait a minute i think i mixed up the disclaimers there um, but I do want to correct something that Alex said. Alex said that at some point in time, I have suggested that I thought that the cut was in.
5: Possibly, I'm going back you know. to the videotape. I'm going back to this.
2: Yeah, you better go back to the video. I did mean, Alex said that too. John said no it No like, We Read with him. That's the fucking.
4: Little, excuse me. Absolutely not. No. I know I'm getting a debenture from my curse. I have never said that. In fact, I have maintained vigorously. That the Fed will not cut this year, and loyal listeners of members of the B three Nation know that I've said that very clearly. So don't don't try
5: to you know mince my words. I'm in agreement. Let's get the receipts <laughs> on this. Let's get the receipts. I'm in agreement. We, yes. We're going to cuts this year. We're going to have the two two. I I say this month in July, twenty five base points. But listen to to just layer on the Nick Rick and his points. We're we're looking at we're expecting volatility next week in TradFi. Um, when it comes to the X Y, uh, you know we're we're expecting that to affect crypto markets and what our short term trades are going to be. Um, and again, Nick, prudent be prudent. If you don't know, then put on your hands. And that may be a scenario we play next week. Uh, if you mix in what all the all the SEC news,
2: you're listening to bulls, bears, and blockchain Twitter spaces. We do this Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday at 5:30 Eastern. Follow us at Get Web Radio. Share out the space. Follow all our speakers, and stay around for the after Beyond B3 show, which uh, Julie Lamb does tonight. It's a great hour where you get to participate. Speaking, guys, of the uncertainty in the market and time markets responding to the Fed, and notice it's interesting. Our markets clearly respond to any move the Fed makes for understandable reasons, but but Mark and Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't seem to be having huge reactions to like the news that President, a former president has just been massively indicted. Is that a way a good sign? No, but is that in a way a good sign that they kind of go, our political system is stable? Like, we're not worried <laughs> They didn't send, send us into know. chaos. <laughs> we're so <laughs> desensitized. Come on, it is interesting. interesting. Go ahead,
4: Alex. That one is a great point. I just can't wait to hear Alex's take ahead. Okay, go, no, Alex. Go, are go, are so
5: go. desensitized to so- that nonsense going on. Uh, regardless of whether it's the the Biden laptop or, or it's Trump being indicted for espionage that I don't think anybody really cares anymore. I think the only reason, the only time any of us would actually care is if we didn't see a Hunter Biden or Donald Trump headline New York post on any given morning, that would shock the markets.
4: (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, listen to, to, to pile on, because that's really all I'm going to be doing, uh, because I I agree almost explicitly with what Alex just said, the the market's desensitized, Drop The market is desensitized. That's why, to put it in context relative to the debt ceiling debacle that we covered to the point of nausea, that we had to take it to the limit, right, in the famous words of Don Henley, before the market even cared. Because the market viewed it as political theater, the market viewed it as political, you know, horse hockey for lack of getting another five bucks in the swear jar, <laughs> um, and, and which I know is coming. By the way, I'm in trouble for that last curse.
2: And and it's, it's one bitcoin to... in the swear jar. It's one. No, bitcoin
4: well, no, the... oh, hey, hey, let's not get crazy. And then you know, you'd, you'd be asking me to disclose my bitcoin holding position or not. Um, so no, I think the short answer is the market does not does just does not care and 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 it's and it's not because the market thinks that our political system has quote-unquote stabilized it's quite the opposite i think the market kind of realizes that our political system is so effed that it doesn't really you know absent destroying another bank absent botching the debt ceiling debate absent you know we have of course the budget debate is the next fun one that's on the horizon they kind of like it's like background noise right it's it's like it's it's just
2: doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make that is absolutely fascinating your assessment there, Mark. Because if that if you're right and it makes sense what you're both saying, but what that suggestively you know is Donald Trump can get indicted, he'll be charged, he may be convicted and still running for president and possibly elected president, and the markets are just going to be like, okay, whatever, which is a little scary in that we're electing the president of our nation and the markets are kind of like you guys are all you know, Left up with what you're doing. We're just going to pay attention to the data and economic stuff. I don't think that ends well. That's Well, Don- Donald Trump has already stated uh,
5: that he will run for the presidency if if he is, uh,
2: you know, pound guilty of this stuff. So it'll be interesting. Well, yeah. And, you know, he can pardon himself, by the way. So if he wins, he pardons himself. So it's going to It all just gets more and more fun as we go. But all right. <laughs> so, so I'm still going to keep wondering if at some point the market's going to take any of this seriously just because it it is disruptive. It's fascinating to me that it hasn't reacted yet. Any other country, would have the markets would have gone crazy if, if you'd just done this. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about what consumers are doing who are not paying attention to all the political mayhem. Um, Mark, you've talked a lot about how, and you just talked again about the record credit card debt, low savings. But yet you made a note that U.S. household net worth exploded in Q1. What's yeah. what's going on with it? Those aren't necessarily inconsistent, but they seem on the face of it to be like, how oh, is one true and the other true?
4: Yeah, they, Rob, they, they sure as hell do seem inconsistent. And. It's one of the reasons that I think it's important that we cover this kind of stuff because the average person, number one, you know, isn't as insane as we are to cover every single one of these headlines and to obsess over what the hell they mean because they actually have lives as compared to the market masters. Uh, but also, you know, when you have this kind of inconsistent data, I think it's it's important to cover and and look. The reason, the primary reason, why. U.S. household net worth rose, net worth, mind you, not liquidity and not a reduction in credit card debt, but net worth rose by $3 trillion, a staggering $3 trillion in Q1 of this year, the largest increase, folks, by the way, since the fourth quarter of 2021 is largely due to the increase in value of what of their equity holdings? Stocks, bonds, the things in their 401k because as everybody that listens to the show knows, we have been on a bit of a bull run, even though it may not feel like it for a variety of different reasons, but we have. And that added 2.4 trillion, specifically 2.4 trillion to US household net worth. And that, by the way, is despite a negative a, a debit in the other side of the U.S. consumer, U.S. household balance sheet of six hundred, almost $620 billion, excuse me, $620 billion uh, drop in real estate values. So that is a pretty big uh, uh, net increase in uh, U.S. household net worth. Again, not liquidity. Still, the credit card situation is what it is. The savings rate is still at a 40-year low. Um, but very interesting to see that figure. I don't think, unfortunately, that it's going to change much in terms of the course of consumer behavior. And that, by the way, Rob, is why we look at that household net worth number.
2: But isn't that actually kind Hold of a good a thing, though? I, Rob, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: Are you feeling wealthier
5: watch. these days? Are you, are you feeling wealthier these days, Alex? Not at all. I, I am. <laughs> I'm wondering what drink you poured while through this, talking that out none unfortunately oh. come on those are ice cubes uh chinking in the glass of- yeah I,
2: yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm you just, know mark, I'm the first, first he, to
5: admit he, it we've got the receipts drink. going here we're gonna
4: send I'll pictures
2: be,
5: i'd be the first one to admit it if
4: i'm
2: out <laughs> in a cocktail but i have yet to pour one i will but i have yet to pour <laughs> one on <also. laughs> but mark is mark and alex isn't that inherently a good sign though even though you're saying mark that you know you don't know, it's not changing consumer behavior. Isn't it a good thing if you had a lot of credit card debt, but you're also seeing the value of your equities grow. I mean, this is the argument I made a long time ago and people are making still, why you might consider moving some of our entitlements into the equity, into a safe equity space market, because over time, your equities tend to do well. I know that's a whole nother conversation. I love saying. that, Rob, That that is controversial, but, but
4: man oh man, um, get a petition going and send that letter to Congress. Uh, not that they're going to do a goddamn thing about it, but but yes, I do I do like that idea. But here's the here's the potential negative of that, right? You might be feeling wealthier because you got your four hundred one k statement and you see that you've been the beneficiary of this bull run in equities that we've just you know, that we've been talking about since it started, but you don't have more cash, right? And and you might feel wealthier. And it might encourage you to put more things on the credit card, assuming you've got any credit card uh, credit available, which for many people in this country, there ain't none left, right, or they're close to having none left. So I worry a little bit about whether or not that encourages further irresponsible behavior and, and consumers thinking that they're, you know, they're rich on paper, so what the hell? Let's take another you know, trip to Hawaii or to whatever the hell it is that, you know, seems to be keeping the travel industry booming as much as it is. And I'll tell you, you know, I was traveling all week this past week, um, mostly on, on the on the West Coast, and it just does not show any signs of letting up. It just does not show any signs of letting up. Airports packed, airplanes packed, flight delays, all the usual things we've come to love about the airline industry in this country, showing no signs of slowing down.
2: Well, again, Alex, isn't that true in crypto? That's true if you own Bitcoin, right? I mean, you, your value goes up. You don't see it more unless you cash out, you know. But you do feel wealthier. Well, most people don't hold Bitcoin
4: in their four hundred one k. Rob, yeah, so no, no, I'm I mean, a little I mean, different. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're right. <laughs> fair, fair
5: enough. You, you, Not you, yet Rob, you, you also, also, Rob, you have to remember the American people, the global people, the global people were were cooped up in their apartments and their homes. And everything else, and forced by governments to not go here, not go there, for a couple of years. I mean, what's the first thing you want to do? What if you've been, uh, you live in Manhattan and you're in a 1,200 square foot apartment with your significant other? If you haven't divorced through the COVID pandemic and you're still here with us today, the first thing you're doing is spending $5,000 on your credit card to go on a vacation somewhere. And I think that road trips, I think vacations, I think. Uh, consumer goods are all being purchased as a result of being cooped up for the last couple of years in their homes.
2: I think Mark just opened a diet coke. I think Mark, is um, scotch. I don't care what he
4: said. I know. That. <laughs> Listen, if we had video,
2: which soon we will, according
4: to you know, the boss, um, I, I would be more than happy to demonstrate that I <laughs> don't have a drink yet. And when <laughs> I <do> have, have <laughs> one, I'll show you how to mix it. Like, I'm not sure. About this. We
2: all heard the pop top. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, listen. We we it's, it's we gotta move on to crypto. So real quickly, just let's really quickly let's just address something from last week. Um, Marco, you talked about the B of A survey showing that that retail investors were bearish while institutional investors were bullish. And it, apparently that's not the full story. So just quick, what's the new data showing us on that, so we can set the record straight.
4: Yeah, super quick, because I do want to make sure we have time for for crypto stories or or more crypto stories. And and folks, this is a reason why we don't look at one survey or look at one press release from one bank and accept it as gospel. We do have to do our homework. We do have to look at multiple surveys, multiple releases from multiple banks to make sure that we get the full picture while we watch things like the bond market, things like volatility, things like credit default swaps. But the short version is there was a survey that was put out on Friday. Individual investor sentiment measured by the AAII AA bull bear spread reached its highest level since November of 2021. As bulls outnumbered bears for the first time in four months, At the same time, active portfolio managers, right? So that's the contra on the retail side versus the B of A report from Thursday that we reported. The other side of this report from AAII is actually indicating that that part of the B of A is actually correct. I'm talking about, of course, professional money managers, hedge funds, active portfolio managers, continuing to increase their net long positions in stocks at the fastest pace, not amounts, the fastest pace, since April of last year, we're also seeing uh, something else that we reported on last week as being a concern in terms of consolidation around those bullish figures in equities consolidating around those seven or eight you know, mega cap names. We're starting to see market breadth improving the S&P Equal Weight Friday ETF on track for its biggest inflow ever of this past week, uh, ever that was reported this past week. And that is one of the ETFs that we look to to determine market breadth. So, you know, when a, when a bull run is broadened out, when we talk about market breadth more than just the concentrated number of stocks, that's a good indication that there might actually be uh, a, some a staying power in terms of of this bullish market mm-hmm. movement.
2: Well, perfect segue to crypto, because we were in a crypto winter, Alex. And then, now look, what happened with Gary Gensler and Coinbase and Binance, as you said previously, you said it on the roundtable interview you did for, with me on the street, and you said it on our Twitter spaces, the, the crypto market held up pretty well. I mean, the prices didn't tank and some things went up. The big the big currencies were fine and, and, volu- and volume went down. So what happened wasn't as bad as you might have expected. Did it push us back more toward a a crypto winter, well now it's a winter and summer, or you know, in fact is where we are coming out of this kind of and some some did really well. Al- Algorand did fine, which you know, Gary Gensler was a fan of before whoa, whoa, he whoa, sued Coinbase. Whoa,
5: whoa. let's not get carried away. Hold on a second. Well for, first of all, crypto has a great you know in going through three, four of these cycles already over the course of my crypto career, um crypto has a great way of take of being resilient, taking the hit and adapting and every cycle, there's a transformation that happens and it flourishes again. It finds its path. Um, you want to go to algo? I mean, listen to flash crash Friday, uh, you know, it was, and it wasn't expected. Okay. The deed stabilization of crypto prices past week was brought on completely by the irresponsible nature of certain cryptos by Gary Gensler uh, in the lawsuits, as he decided to arbitrarily call them securities. Okay, and you, you, I covered this uh, earlier in the show. Uh, the large dips that happened from it—it um, it actually did help Algorand, Algo, and it helped Algorand, which was touted by the almighty poser Gensler in 2019. Voila, as an MIT professor, hit an all-time low in price. Okay, so. My question is, Mark, if we bought Algorand after listening to Gary Gensler tout it back then and lost value, can we sue? Let's send him a Wells notice. You know what? I'm going
4: to actually call Kim Kardashian, who I've (laughs) got on speed dial. And I am going to get, you know, Jerry and I were hanging with Kim when we were in L.A. last week, which, by the way, you're going to know is untrue because Julie's going to cover where Kim actually was last week and she wasn't with John and I in Los Angeles. But joking aside... You know, it, it it does pose the question, right? It does pose the question if if people can be held liable for touting uh, a, a token, a cryptocurrency, uh, without the proper disclosures, without the proper and, and requisite indication of of whether or not it's a security, what their uh, association is with that particular uh, uh, crypto, can it lead to liability? I know something tells me Gary's not sending himself a Wells notice.
2: I'll wait. <laughs> but it hi- it highlights the problem, right? Yeah. No, it's a great <laughs> idea. Super problems, false, right? false information. I know, but 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 is there like when you're sorting through it? And we're going to talk about Binance in a minute. But when you're sorting through it, obviously, as you called, they name check certain currencies. I mean, overall, when you look at how the market will respond to this, you're seeing a lot of off ramps going away. You know, you're seeing people pulling back or saying they're going to pull back exchanges and that kind of thing. But are we going to see if uh, are we going to see a lot of damage in non big are we going to see a lot of currencies hurt? We're going to see drying up of people wanting to tokenize.
5: We're going to go through adaptation yet once again, been here, done that. You're going to have things die off in this cycle, just like you had things die off in the previous cycle before that and the previous cycle before that. What's going to happen, you, you got to remember, as far as retail invers- uh, retail investments are concerned, is there a lot of money in the market in the U.S.? There is, but we're, I think it's like 8.11% of total re- uh, retail market flow. Um, you, you, sitting in the U.S., people tend to forget there's a whole other world out there that accounts for a lot of stuff that the U.S. citizens don't do. Um, so crypto is going to flourish with or without the United States. I think maybe there's, you know, down the road, and this is obviously a topic uh, for later discussion, and and one that I would probably butt heads with Mark on, but it, it, there's going to be some sort of regime change, which is going to have to set out some sort of new framework, uh, architecture of laws in crypto in the U.S. That's going to take time. But I'll tell you, everybody else but the U.S. will be participating in it, like Gary Gensler was never born. And that's just the facts. And we'll adapt, and we'll go on to the new thing.
4: Well, that that pregnant pause from Rob means he wants me to respond. Uh,
2: it does because I saw your <laughs> mic lit up. I, you, I that challenge from from Alex. I want to butt heads. I'm like, all right, do I have no to no? This sure. A different but, thinking, not a challenge. <laughs> now, listen, I listen. First of all,
4: let me say I, I love. The optimism, right? Um, I love uh, and, and I agree with a lot of what Alex is saying, but maybe not all of what Alex is saying. Um, because notwithstanding the numbers of the numbers of the facts of the facts that the United States represents, I don't know, depends on the figure. And, and Alex just quoted one. We've seen everything from 17% to 7%. It's somewhere in the middle, probably, of total retail uh, crypto, particularly Bitcoin volume uh, globally which is part of the reason why uh, people keep saying, wow crypto, especially Bitcoin Ethereum, they, they seem to be really resilient in, in the in the face of all of this crazy SEC onslaught. you know and and, and why is that? Well, the, the reason is because you know this this relatively low percentage of holders is is here in the United States and and directly impacted by it. but, but here's the thing I will tell you though, Alex, even though that may be the case, the United States and its role, from the perspective of, of, a, of a banking uh, partner, a TradFi banking partner, nonetheless, and how relevant that is in the international banking system, and how um, this crypto and crypto trading and investing does eventually need to find fiat off-ramps, when you take an entire nation, a world power, arguably the most powerful from a banking perspective, out of the picture, it's going to hurt. And, and I know you say we've been through cycles before. But I don't think we've been through a cycle in this country that looks anything like what Gonzo Gensler has been doing over the past years. I mean, you're,
5: you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And the and the class of 2020 and 2021 are gonna be the ones that are most severely affected because all they know is the Robin Hood style of crypto. Okay, whether it's Coinbase or Kraken or or other now defunct uh bankrupt crap pieces. But that being said. It's going to go back to old school. I was around where you met people on a street corner and did a literal peer to peer swap of Bitcoin and money. Um, it, 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 we'll find a way. It'll go on. The world, the Asians transact in a very crypto centric way in their ecosphere. I D- trans- do not start singing that Celine Dion song. I will hang up. You. I will totally do it.
2: <laughs> oh, here we go. Wait. But let me bring Nick into this. Nick, and you're obviously, you know, younger than all of us. I do think crypto is long term a young person's world. And I do think the the NFT space alone, plus things like Stripe, you know, Jack Waller's thing where more people will use Lightning Network for transaction. It's not huge here yet. But I would argue even the NFT space alone is gonna fuel a, a growth in the US because of the utility. I don't even with, with Gonzo Gensler, which I like Mark is now giving him a new moniker, not the poser anymore. He's now Gonzo. Um, that there's going to be some new, maybe to Alex's point, some new opportunities. We won't see how. And it won't necessarily just be people peer to peer trading, it will be some spaces that will emerge. But I, you know, I want to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing me in um, and completely agree with a lot of the points that both Alex and Mark are making. I think, you know, right now is is the time where everybody's looking in the mirror and saying, you know, what exactly has to happen uh, and what other what what roles do other nations and other sectors of the globe play a role in? So, um uh, Hong Kong recently kind of has stepped up uh, and and offered to house both Coinbase and Binance, or at least uh, parts of their business. Uh, the U.K. has stepped in, uh, and, and I, I believe their crypto regulation goes into law at the end of this year or beginning of next year. Uh, and I believe other countries in the EU are following suit, um, and, you know, Russia is definitely embracing the trend as well. And there are rumors and rumblings of, of China uh, either indirectly, you know, in partnership with Hong Kong or... Par- Possibly opening up certain rails and such, so there certainly is opportunity elsewhere outside of the U.S. and and 100% correct. U.S. is 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 still a small percentage when you kind of look at the pie. But to Mark's point, you know we do kind of run the show. We are not the show, but we certainly you know stand face to face or stand you know right in front. So uh, I think you know with a new regulatory regime with. Um, you know, regulatory environment that is possibly friendly. Again, we have Yellen stepping in now, making comments about regulation. We have both uh, Democratic and Republican senators and Congress people stepping in, talking about it. So it's going to take time, but there is always going to be a new paradigm, a new narrative. Uh, it previously was ICOs in 2017, then it was DeFi. Rob's talking about NFTs and the and, the, and basically the proliferation of consumer-based goods. On the blockchain and 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 the and the bolstering of benefits and opportunities thereafter. So uh, regulation coupled with you know a, a bit of downtime, which we've already gone you know I think halfway, possibly seventy five percent all the way through the bear market. It's been quite some time. Uh, so you know the tides will have to shift, but again, very much hopeful on uh, the proliferation of new technologies, adoption of AI into the market new countries adopting and, and creating regulation around the technology. These are the steps that we have to have for a bull
2: market in the future along with equities. So uh, well, we're headed in the right direction, but we're not there yet. Mark and Alex, last thoughts on this. I mean, Mark, you make the point about how big we are as a, as a player in the global space. But is not also there's some truth in the argument that the technology, the blockchain technology alone, even though we may lose some of them developing here, are going to permeate into our economy, so we're going to be utilizing blockchain, whether it's NFTs or whatever through AI. We're going to be using Web three blockchain technologies. Won't that at some level keep force it force us to bring it back? Maybe it is under a new regulatory framework.
4: Yeah, listen, I, I hope so, right? And 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 I hope that it, it it rather than force us to bring it back, that it it, it never really leaves, right? Uh, but but the, but the reality of it is that's just not the case. I mean, I was on a call. With a fellow board member for a a company that is um in uh, the metaverse space earlier a company that we really love i'm not going to say which one um and part of the conversation that we had is how do we decouple the story of this company and the talking points around this company from the crypto story now this company has nothing i repeat nothing whatsoever to do with crypto okay it's it's a company that's in the metaverse space. But unfortunately, because of the regulatory, you know, wide-brushed painting of, 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 excuse me, that this is all bad, it's all bad people that are using these kind of technologies, the blockchain baby is thrown out with the bathwater very often, particularly by those that are not as well-versed in these technologies as, as the folks that are speaking, and, of course, our unbelievably smart B3 nation that knows the difference. But so it's it's not just, hey, the government's not going after blockchain. The government doesn't know the difference, by and large, between blockchain, Bitcoin, digital assets, crypto, Web3, and all these different things. But we are seeing ourselves at a significant strategic disadvantage in terms of the advancement of these technologies in the United States. And, you know, the last time we had our friend, our retired Brigadier General Anthony Tata on, who was the Deputy Secretary of Cyber, if I remember correctly, under the last regime uh, here in this country, he talks about it as a threat to national security, that if we fail to keep up, if we fail to maintain our leadership position, which I think is already gone, and the development of blockchain-related technology, it will pose a national security threat. I think we're already there.
2: Yeah, interesting. Alex, you want to have a last word on this?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as I I wanted this to do, just to make the show more interesting, um, I have to spot on. Uh, They tend to get grouped together. Um, One, uh, I will point out, Bitcoin is too big to go away at this point, so it's not going anywhere. Uh, But blockchain and Web3 all too many times gets associated with it, and they're all completely separate things. If you break them down, okay, um, they do have components where they intersect, but they are different things. And when it comes to national security, I know we spoke about this in the past. With uh, you've asked me about cryptocurrency and national security when we had General data on and stuff like that, and I I kind of brush it off, saying, "Listen, there's no chatter. It's not a problem. It's never. It's not on the radar." And that's true, but blockchain is. So to Mark's point, when you have that innovation leave the country, as I expect, a lot of it is going to make a flight to more friendlier locales. Uh, We're going to have less smart people in the room to develop what uh, other countries are developing. And not all of them are going to be in the positive light. So, you know, we need to retain some human capital here.
2: Hey, maybe Janet Yellen realized that when she made her comment. Let's get that new regulatory framework in place fast. Mark, come on. Can we make it happen? Snap, we snap our fingers, and we change the regime. Uh, I'll, I'll be in Washington
4: in the morning, and I'll take care of that for everybody. No problem.
2: Um, this has been a great show. It's the Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain Twitter Spaces, Tuesday, Thursday, and this is our Sunday edition, 5.30 Eastern time. B3 Nation, we value you. Thank you. Follow us at get Rev Radio. Alex and Mark, as always, it's great. Pete Nigerian thank you for stepping in for uh, Big Brother John um, and Nick Mancini from Trade the Chain.
1: Thanks for joining Rob Nelson, Alex Massioli, Mark Lepresti, and John Nigerian with another great episode of Bulls, Bears, and Blockchain, twice a week on Revolution Radio. Whether you're new to the world of Web3 Finance or an experienced investor, we've got you covered. Follow us on Twitter at GetRevRadio and visit our website at RevolutionRadio.io, helping you make smarter financial decisions.
5: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.